And so our series on belonging together in community. Last week we started the series. Um, we have an issue that we face. We're more connected than ever, but we're more lonely than ever. We have loneliness in the crowds, uh, a lonely crowd. And so the goal of the kingdom of the heavens is to call for us here and now to live under the rule of Lord Jesus, the way of Jesus. And we cannot follow Jesus alone. It's being with Jesus and community that forms our spirituality. In fact, Jesus, he left an ecclesia. An ecclesia is a gathering of people. And he, the Spirit fell on this group of people. It didn't fall on an individual. Note that. It didn't fall. Every time in the Old Testament, the Spirit fell on a singular person. Now the Spirit falls on a community of people. And they're filled with the Spirit and they demonstrate His way. And they form communities. So Paul would go into a new city. He would find the local church, Jewish synagogue, and he would make a community of believers. And this community of believers would wage war against the spiritual principalities, against the ways of the world, against the flesh in our bodies, that this is what would happen. And it looked like in Acts chapter 2, the first line, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the fellowship of one another. And this amazing thing that happened is they devoted themselves to fellowship, a practice. It brought growth in them, in the people around them. They grew in numbers and there were spiritual encounters. There was signs, wonders, and miracles. And so if we want to see that, the foundation for us to see the signs and wonders is community. What does it mean to be devoted? Devoted to practice over my preference was the blow that we got hit with last week that we devoted to the practicing the way of Jesus rather than my preference of what I think church should look like. And so what does it mean to be devoted? So Galatians chapter 5, if you would stand with me as I read the word of the Lord. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, brothers or family. If anyone is caught in any transgression, sin, you are who are spiritual, pumaticos, the spiritual, the ones who are filled with this Holy Spirit, should restore him or them in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Because, uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, then he is nothing. He deceives himself. But let us each one test their own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in the neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for already what you have done in and through us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that we get to co-labor with you. Father, we thank you for this community that gathers together. And Lord, we hungrily eager to know your truth. God, I thank you that you've prepared the soil of our hearts this morning. The Holy Spirit, you've breathed on us. And now as the word of God is spoken, May it go deep into the soil of our hearts. May it transform us this morning. 
Would you anoint the words that I speak? God, I need your help as we communicate this message. Open our ears, eyes, hearts, and minds to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Please be seated. (coughs) Sorry. Uh, Sarah was four years old when she entered into family protective services. Her dad was long gone. Her mother suffered drug abuse working as a dancer in the local club. Her grandmother, who she had stayed with, was now ill. And Sarah, at four years old, found herself going into the foster care system. She would go through several different homes, experiencing different pains and troubles. It was the age of 15. She couldn't take it anymore. She found a relationship with a man who was 22 years old. And she left the foster care system and moved in with him into the basement of uh, the man's uh, mother's home. So they would work various jobs, working at uh, different bars and places, trying to make ends meet while getting high at night. And in this three years that they were together, her boyfriend became abusive. She had had an abortion, and then suddenly the abuse started in their relationship. She got beat harder than she ever had one night. And she hadn't learned enough in the foster care system, seeing enough violence, this was not for her. And so she left that relationship. She went on to work several different jobs, but then this amazing job came about in working for a clothing store. In one of her jobs, she would wait tables. And this couple would come in, an older couple, and they would talk to her. They would get to know her. They would tip her really generously. This relationship built and built over time. And then as it built, they asked a question. Hey, Sarah, would you come work for us? Would you come be a manager of inventory at our clothing store? And she jumped at the opportunity, right? But it wasn't just a job that Jake and Allison were offering young Sarah. At 28 years old, it was, come be part of our family. Come walk with us. And for the first time ever, Sarah saw how a relationship, a marriage, was meant to be. They actually liked each other, which blew Sarah's framework of mind. They would play games together. The family would gather together, and she was invited into these spaces of celebration of being with the family. At 20 years old, she was invited to church one Sunday, and she said no because she'd only been to church three times, and it was like, not for me whatsoever. It felt very cold, very distant. But over time, she carried to build this relationship, and they invited her again because one of their grandsons was getting baptized. And so she went to church with them, and in that moment, everything changed. She found Jesus, but she also found a loving community. This loving community that she went to, she went to a small group, and she got to know them, and they actually all pitched in together to buy her a car and fix it up for her. In that relationship and community, they taught her about Jesus, and now she said, I know how to care, I know how to pray, how to let others love me. I've learned what it means to be loved by God and how to love others by watching them. Thomas Merton says this, we learn to live by living together with others and by living like them, a process which has 
disadvantages as well as blessings. It's beautiful Sarah's story for us. This is like the yes and amen story that we hear, that this is what we want the church to look like. The redemption story for those who are far away from God, who have experienced brokenness, who have lived in communities of destruction, come into a community of love and are loved into redemption, are loved into a new identity. Sarah found her true self. It's a beautiful thing. I know inside of you, though you don't look like it, you are excited by this story. That this is a real story that actually says, yes, I am here today because my community loved me in some way, form, or fashion. I am here today because people have loved me. That there is a Jesus, but also there is a representation of Jesus And it is taking hold of us. And can I tell you, church, I'm excited for this new season. It really feels like God has shifted us. As we have physically chucked a bunch of stuff out, God is doing something supernatural. And for those those who have walked with us chucking that stuff out all day, it was a lot of fun as well. Um, But in that moment, there is a shift that I believe so strongly in the spiritual. God is renaming us. We're not changing the name of the church, don't worry. But he is renaming us. He is building on the foundations that have been built in this church, and he's giving us new identity. And it is exciting. So it's why we're here So think for me just for a moment of how a community has encouraged, maybe corrected you, maybe brought comfort to you. Think on that. I love this thought here, this quote that we are dealing with today. And this quote is something I want to frame our conversation, our teaching today. It's in The Relational Soul, an amazing book. Uh, Grab hold of it. Community is a grand invitation to surrender. I love that grand invitation to surrender, which at its core is an invitation to trust. Since trust is at the heart of true self-living, i.e. we find ourselves when we truly trust someone, we can only say that such life is impossible apart from community. We never truly find ourselves outside of community because we never get to truly trust another person because that's how creation is formed. We are formed by one another. Put it another way in a phrase for, a a Johnny phrase for today, we desire the authentic which unearths the authentic in us. We can release the authentic kingdom to others. All is found in the leading of the Spirit and the practice of bearing one another's burdens. We desire authentic. You know, regardless of who you are, you want the real thing. Like you sniff out when someone's not being real, not being genuine. You want the real thing. We desire. There's something hardwired inside of it that says, I want to experience real relationship. And that desire propels us But in that desire, it unearths an authentic self of who we are. And so we can release, ultimately, freedom for others. That it doesn't just stop with selfish, kind of like self-improvement for myself. No, it leads me to loving other people better, creating soil for authentic living for other people. And it's found by the Holy Spirit and by bearing one another's burdens. So that's the subject we're talking about today as belonging, bearing one another's burdens. Why? 
bear another's burdens. It's not just a good thing that we bear, but actually we find our true selves. I love that we find our true selves. You have a true self that is made in the image of God. You know that you are an image bearer of God. You bear his likeness. God is infinite. He has infinite sides, though he is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He is forever the same, and so he imparts his infinite image onto us. And that's why I think it's such a shame that we live like other people, that we don't live into the calling that God has called us to, that when we stand before the throne of God, he will ask us, why didn't you live in the unique image that I called you to be? Why didn't you live like you? And so living as we bear one another's burdens is not just a good thing, but actually we find ourselves. And we're going to unpack that today. Our church does value authenticity. And so back to the text. When we start this passage here, it says this, if we are led by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What does that mean, Paul? He then gives. Well, don't, don't start comparing one another, uh, but bear one another's burdens. And it's interesting to bear. We all have responsibilities. We all have a backpack of responsibilities, stewardship, commitment. We have these things in our lives that are good gospel things. Genesis 2 is about man and woman working the land. Work is a good thing. Carrying relationship supports, and stewardship is a good thing. But how many of you know that we start to add to our backpack? Suddenly we pick up responsibilities and things, weights, anxieties. We start picking them up and up and up, and eventually we have a truckload of responsibilities that are not our own. I find it interesting that in the text. It says this, if anyone is caught in transgressions, you are who are spiritual, restore him in the spiritual gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you not be tempted, but bear one another's burdens. That what precedes bearing another's burdens is those who are caught in transgressions, in shame, in sin. I would argue today that the greatest rucksack or couch or whatever thing you're carrying is probably your shame. It's probably the sin. It's probably the hiddenness inside of your life that actually bears weight upon you that you cannot uh, handle. It's the greatest load, guilt and shame. It takes our courage away. It strips us of our purpose and it hides who we truly are. This burden upon us, it weighs us down in such a way that we're not able to be who we are. In fact, in Galatians, Uh, the context, we see that they've missed the gospel. The reason why the letter of Galatians is written is because this community has gone into a works-based gospel. Earn your way to salvation. Earn your way. And Paul is fervently over these six chapters, like pleading with them with different ways. This is the gospel, the gospel of love, the gospel of Jesus, the truth that you cannot earn it, but God has made a way for you. This gospel comes. But interestingly, he speaks to the community. In verse 15 of chapter 5, it says, just a chapter beforehand, but if you bite 
and devour one another. Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. In verse 26, it says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And finally, in verse 3, it says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he is deceived. Envy is something that deflates us. As we compare one another, we look and we deflate ourselves. Well, they've got this and I haven't got this. Or alternatively, if we boast, if we start boasting in ourselves, I'm better, I've read this much, I've prayed this much, or I am this much more spiritual because of the wisdom that I carry, the boasting creates, well, I don't want to open myself up to another person. So we've got on the one hand, we wouldn't trust someone because we envy them. Or on the other side, we would, we, we're so inflated that we don't want to ruin the perception that we have to other people. Both stop us bearing our burdens to another person. And so the most common answer, I, and you probably feel this in this moment, this is what you say when you hear bearing another person's burdens, well, I just don't want to be a burden to another person. Have you said that? Have you said that? I just, like in your mind's eye, you're like, well, I just don't want to reach out to them because I don't, well, they look like they've got so much going on. I don't want to be a burden. But isn't it interesting that God says it is not good for man or human to be alone. Why did he say that? Adam had the perfect relationship with God, but it was not enough. It is that we need to be in community with one another. Why does the new community, the New Testament, the New Testament believer is referred to as family, brother, sister? That is the most common name that you see in Scripture over any other name. We are to refer and be like brother and sister. Remember the culture of the time? Brother and sister trumped marriage. So if a brother or sister thought something outside of the marriage of how something should be, the blood trumped relationship. That's how deep that they thought about the unity of one another. It was to be brother and sister. God takes a risk of fostering wholeness in community. So What kind of stops us from doing that? Just a quick word on that. We have a false self. So if you have a true self, if you have a true that God has made you in the image of God, you also have a false self. It acts as a shield, it protects, it hides, and it helps navigate this world. From a young age, maybe um, traumas happened to you or experiences of life taught you, I better act this way to be liked. I better do these things to be understood. I better do these things to gain approval of my peers. And so doing so, as we build that, we build a false self. This is something that's so true in my life. I just want to make people happy. And so for much of my life, I was just being everything that people wanted me to be because I just wanted to make people happy. But I was denying who God had called me to be. And so the moral false self can look really moral and really good. It can do all the good things, say all the right things, but it never truly shows who we really are because there is a journey from the false self to the true self. And that journey is not always easy because we have to lift the false to the true light so it can receive healing, so it can receive transformation. Transformation is harder than we want it to be, and it takes really long time. 
Do you ever get frustrated at yourself? Like, man, I'm, I, I'm trying my best and I just feel like I'm never changing. This just feels like an uphill battle. Seriously, I still struggle with this? After so many years, why is this happening? Transformation is harder than we want it and it takes longer. And our soul is stubborn. Don't look at your partner. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. Our soul is stubborn and our false self does not volunteer to its own funeral. Your false self does not want to die. So I love this phrase that Jesus says, bear one another's burdens. Bear another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's a beautiful picture. It's also a really clever wordplay because Paul is speaking to these people who have laws and he's like, kind of like you could almost hear the chuckles in the room as someone read this letter out because they're like, you're following the wrong law. And so there's this great kind of wordplay that Paul is playing on. But the reality is, as we fulfill the law of Christ, Jesus is birthed in our lives. It's a beautiful summary, isn't it? That we as Christians can fulfill the law. So the law is love Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the Ten Commandments summarized. I love that Jesus even summarized it even lower. Hey, I've got a new command that will summarize all of the 613 laws. We're going to break it down to a one line. Jesus is an amazing uh, communicator. He's like, you want a one line tag? This is it. Love one another as I have loved you. And so the New Testament writers take it and say, fulfill the law by bearing one another's burdens. Jesus comes alive in our lives. The true self comes alive as we bear. Batsezo, pick up, carry, endure, show. And so we want to endure one another's burdens. And so I would love to just invite, because how many of you grew up in a Christian church, in uh, youth groups? We're going to show a trust fall. So can I have um, up Sam and Chad for me? How many of you give a round of applause here? And so I want to bring something back old school to remind ourselves of what it means to bear one another's burdens. And so as we're kind of like our first steps here, so if you guys can just stand over there, that'd be super helpful. Thank you very much, gentlemen. The first thing that we are confronted as we bear one another's burdens is our selfishness. So just face one another. The reality of as we are facing one another, (laughs) we are related, we see that we're just one person, one person to another. Spirit leads us into community And over time, the community will make you aware of the desires. Maybe you dress differently. Maybe you don't like the way that they think or act, and they look different in some way. And so anyone who's lived in family, in marriage, has had kids, you're confronted with your selfishness. Because desiring one another takes real time. It takes time to know one another. It takes energy. It takes emotional capacity. And so this interaction in our world is not efficient, right? This is not efficient. There's a whole room of people that I need to know, but yet this is where real 
Christ-likeness. This is where the law, this is where Jesus' life comes in, but it's really frustrating to us. And so in this moment, we are confronted with our selfishness, that this is what Jesus has called us to do, to walk one-on-one together, but it's something that we don't always enjoy to do because of the capacity, because of the time, because of the energy. And so we confront. But what it does is it has a choice of activating surrender. And so with it, it's a terrifying thing. So you're catching. Wait, who's catching? You're catching. That's it. We practice beforehand to try and see if it would work out all right. There is nothing more terrifying than turning around and trusting another person. Learning to close your eyes and let go is the worst thing. The question that we have right now, and Sam should be having, and we tested it, because does Chad have the capacity to hold me? That's always the question. Whenever we hold back, will you, do I need two or three people behind me? Remember when uh, Charismatic, we grew up, we would put the hand on their back, I've got you, if you fall out, no worries, just don't fall forward, Sam, please don't fall forward. You've seen those videos, just clap forward, and I'm like, no, it's not what we're looking for. But the question is real, does that person have capacity? And that is a genuinely good question. Because the reality is there are people that do pour themselves out into other people, and those people don't have capacity. They don't have the the abilities. They just don't have the the depth. Or they're actually going to care enough for you. So it's a really good question to ask. But the point of falling is the surrender. I love this. Learning to surrender is fundamental for all of the characteristics of the Christian faith. Surrender is the gateway by which any growth, any knowing of God, you surrendered your life to the way of Jesus, and that's how you got saved. Surrender is the gateway, it is the foundation, it is everything that we need to be able to grow. And your false self is not enough. That's the revelation, that as we were facing, as we were facing uh, Chad, there was a reality that I needed to know that actually, maybe there was some conversation to dialogue, and it was like, actually, I'm not enough. I've gone through a really tough season. Some brokenness has come into my world, and the world has come crashing down in that moment, and I realized that I am not enough. Can I tell you that's a gift from God? That actually, comfortability is the worst thing that we can experience because we just never change. So many of us want to make our worlds certain. We want to make them comfortable. And God is just trying to stir the pot, baby. He's just trying to stir the pot because he wants to shift. Because what we've got to come to a place is realizing, I need another person. I need to trust that other person. If I'm going to grow, if I'm going to surrender, I need to learn a trust. Okay, we're going to do a trustful right now. All right, guys, go for it. Yeah! We did joke about that, how far it would go. But that's a really good reset. Yeah, and lean there, please. But that's a really good, because that is not an easy process, right? How many times do we we stop ourselves? Have you really got me? In fact, I'm just going to stand up again. But actually to let go and let the body actually lean fully into Chad right there, that is not an easy thing. But if we want to be more loving, if we want to be more joyful, if we want to experience the Holy Spirit in one another's life, remember, this way is great, but God has called us this way as well. If we truly want to experience the life of God, this is what it's going to look like. And this is the cost that we need to move into. And so there is this great thing that happens, though, in this moment. Sam is somewhat enjoying himself right now. He's getting to just chill. 
is going to say, this is the armchair rest, this is what I'm looking for. There is comfort that comes in this moment. This world carries tremendous suffering. You've walked this life and you have suffered in some way. You've lost something, you've been called something. There is a weight of burden upon you. And suddenly in this moment, there is a release, there is a comfort. There is a ridiculous joy that comes in, amen? Like for you that have felt it, even in this year with me and Rach, the grief that we've gone through, I have found ridiculously good joy. I have found life in other people who have come alongside, who have just encouraged us, who have just been there with us, just to listen, to walk alongside. It's created for me a comfort that I've been able to just release. Suffering has a profound way to deepen our intimacy with God and one another. The burden. Yeah, they're going to be staying there for a little bit. It's okay. We've talked about this. We know what's happening. And this is good because this is what it costs. This is what it costs. It's not just a quick catch, okay, back up, off you go. No, this is going to be uncomfortable for a bit because it needs to be. And this is the final point here. Uh, There we go. No, wrong point. There we go. There we go. Final point. Strengthening of character. So what does it do? We, when we face relationship, we realize we're selfish, but it awakens that we need to surrender. In the surrendering, we suddenly find this comfort. We find this closeness. We find this belonging that suddenly like joy comes to our souls as we do life one another together. That actually we find this is how it was meant to be all along. That this is what it's meant to look like. But character is more than just doing good things. It's a goal for us that we become not just morally good people from the outside, but from the inside as well. See, both positions are dying right now, right? Chad is dying right now. Now, he's, he's got it. He's good. He's statued ready. He's ready. He's got the capacity. He's got the capacity and he's got the willingness to be there. But right now, Sam letting go and letting someone else hold him, that's tough, For guys in the room, that's tough. For us, just as any performer of spirituality, religion, remember the Galatian church, this is not what was happening. They were tearing down one another. They were comparing one another. And they were denying themselves the very spirit that wanted to lead them through. And so for us, we need to receive love without giving it back. Sam needs to take this love without saying, I'll get you back right? We need to give without expecting to receive back. To bring up all the insecurities as we lean back, not proving ourselves, not realizing, you know, my worth, that I'm letting go and I'm resting another person. That in this moment, the capacity increases in both love and assurance there is someone else that has them, but also the character inside of Chad that he needs to grow as well. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate your help there. <laughs> there you go. Very good, very good. So, how do we move forward with this? What's the next step that we can do to be able to even obtain this? Because we know this truth, right? We know that this is what the gospel should look like. We know that life flourishes when we care for one another, when we do this. And just this word came to me um, while I was kind of just preparing this week. An attentive heart. I love this line that he opens with, that we should restore them, those who are, uh, and gentleness. And so we have this um, line that we, 
when we bear one another, is a heart to restore with an attitude of humility. We want a heart to restore with an attitude of humility. And that looks like an attentive heart. And the first question I want to ask you in an attentive heart is, how are you bearing your own load? How is your attentiveness towards your own capacity going right now? Are you able to actually carry someone else's load? If someone came into your world and said, I need you to carry this burden, do you have the capacity? Do you have the time? Do you have the energy? Do you have the desire? How's it going to even be a burden carrier? Because we first need to be attentive to our own hearts. Like the airplane analogy, the oxygen mask comes down. Who's, who do you first give the oxygen to? Yeah, yourself. And so that's why it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Until you're able to love yourself rightly, but don't get stuck there because sometimes that inward love is just as destructive as not loving another person anyway. So we need an attentive heart to say, how's my capacity right now? How am I doing? Actually, who am I being a burden to? That was during the pandemic, my coach told me you're living unbiblically because you're not being a burden to anybody else. And so I was like, hit to the heart straight there. And I was like, that's straight to me because I'm a performer. I'm Johnny. I can just get everything covered, right? Like I can do tons of things well or okay. And, and I can do it all myself. I don't need anything. And there's been this journey as a pastor, my own self, to let go of things. In this season of transition, I'm letting go of things, letting go of responsibilities. And I'm saying, who can I bear the burden with? Who can come along? Because I don't think I've got the capacity right now in certain areas to bear the load that I should be bearing because I'm bearing too much on myself. I think about the responsibilities of the church as a pastor. There is this weight upon you that you never understand until suddenly you step into it and this weight comes upon you. This responsibility that comes upon you. And I'm like, I need people to carry it with me. I need people to come alongside and say, you know, we've got this together as a community. We're going to walk together and bear the burden. But obviously, we need to look on the outward way as well. And I love this uh, quote here that says this. This is uh, Leighton Ford who says this great quote. Attentiveness is respecting, attending to, waiting on, looking at, and listening to the other. It's respecting, attending to, waiting on, looking at, listening to the other. The persons and the things that we encounter for what they are in themselves, not what we can make them. Another hit to the heart right there for me. I am someone who challenges. I'm someone who loves to coach people to be the best they can be. But actually attentiveness says who you are right now. I'm creating space in my heart to bear your burden, to hold you just as you are. It's not try and fix you, not try and change you, but just hold you. And that's a really hard thing for us to have in attentive hearts. Because you don't do well, right? Because the false self inside of us almost projects onto another person. If they're not doing well, it's a representation of me. You better do better after a while. If you're not getting better, then why am I even with you? Like my false self starts to take over because it's a reflection on me. 
But when we have learned to be a burden to another person, man, it's so much easier for us to take hold of another person. As we spend time bearing another's burden, we relearn what it means to be a burden. And so the question we're asking today, are we holding the poor in spirit? Are we being with those who mourn, who hunger and thirst? Jesus' opening words to his great teaching of what the kingdom is, he opens with those words, making wide the gate all to come in. But for us, who are we carrying who's the least of these? In a politically divided world more than ever, in all the other kind of divides that are occurring, how are we holding the opposite? How are we holding those who think differently to us? Because this is where you grow. If the law of Christ is fulfilled in bearing another's burdens, not a burden, let's remind ourselves what a burden even is, right? It's not someone who agrees with me, who's someone who's going to later in the road give me a reward for what I did. No, it's a cost. It's a cost of someone who doesn't think like me, who doesn't work like me, who's not going to be able to give back to me. That's where we fulfill, we become like Jesus. If we want to fulfill the law of Christ in our lives, let's get serious about this. I remind you one other passage before we close here today. One of my favorite ones found in Ephesians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from the love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to grasp, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our Savior. That's the model that he leaves for us that we want to be a culture of people that bear one another's burdens. Church, we are being taken in a new direction. God is calling us to be a healing house. But we need to understand this. We need to understand, and first we need to understand what's our capacity today. How are we dealing with our burdens? Because you're carrying too much. Who are you being a burden to so that we can then carry? I think there's this beautiful picture that God is wanting to see that we all carry these burdens together. So as I give my burdens to another person, to free up so I can carry another person's burden, and so on and so on and so on. That isn't amazing that we pray over and over again. Have you ever found that in your life? Man, I wish God, why don't you give me a breakthrough in my life? Why is this burden so heavy? God, why don't you take this away from me? And it never seems to happen. Do you wonder, like God's saying, I've given you people around you. The answer's right in front of you. The prayers have been prayed. The answer is there, but you're not willing to surrender. You're not willing to trust 
You're not willing to find your true self. And that's where flourishment happens. So how can we grow in this today? Let's pray.